0: Blog Talk Radio Well, folks, it is 2019 and you are listening to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Usa, and I hope everyone had a great holiday season and Happy New Year uh, before we get started, just a couple of, uh, brief announcements. I think this year in 2019, I'm going to start, uh, presenting some news items for the stone and tile industry. And I have one right now that I, I read the other day, actually, uh, over the holidays that, that kind of surprised me, but, uh, you may or may not heard, but Grand Quartz has acquired Regent Stone. Uh, those of you familiar with, uh, Grand Quartz and Regent Stone, I guess they are now one. So welcome to the big corporate world, uh, Regent Stone and Grand Quartz. Uh, Anyway, this show today is going to be about polishing. We're going to talk about edge polishing, surface polishing, anything to do with polishing, uh, also, I want to mention that my inspection and troubleshooting class coming up in Las Vegas uh, on January 21st is now full. I can't take any more people into it. Uh, however, if you want to take the correspondence class, I do offer a correspondence class which contains a live recording of the actual seminar. It contains a self-guided PowerPoint presentation. It has all the manuals. It basically has everything that the live seminar does, other than the fact that in the live seminar, we actually go on an inspection. Obviously, we can't do that uh, with a correspondence class. But if you're interested in that, you can send me an email at fhuston at gmail.com. That's f-h-u-e-s-t-o-n at g mail.com. Uh, if you want to call into the show today, it is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. I think I have all the technical issues worked out. I know last year we were having some issues with the show not not airing properly, was cutting off or whatever. So, uh, I've got a new format here, uh, a new service that I'm trying, so We'll see how it goes, but the testing that I've done uh, in the last couple of weeks seems to be working out really, really well. Okay, Uh, we're going to start out with theory. And what I mean by theory, we're going to explain to you very um, easily how polishing occurs on all stone surfaces whether we're dealing with marble, granite, limestone, the quartz surfaces, uh, even metals per se. This, these theories all are basically the same when it comes to polishing uh, any of these ma- materials. And then I'm going to get a little bit technical. Uh, I'll refer you to some references that I have for the for those of you that are really want to get into the technical aspect of polishing. But this is going to be a great show because once you understand how stone polishes you shouldn't have any problem at all learning how to polish difficult stones now i'll give you a couple little tricks a lot of them are going to be technique Uh, some of them might be product we'll get into that a little bit later in the show but for right now let's start out simple let's take a look at how stone polishes. And when I'm talking about polishing, I simply mean the honing and polishing. In other words, we take a rough piece of stone, again, doesn't matter whether we're dealing with quartz, granite, marble, limestone, or whatever, and we're giving it that high reflective shine. It's very simple, and I've used this analogy before, and excuse me if you've heard it before, but I think it is a great example of how to define how stone takes a polish and it has to do with what we call optics. Let's imagine, and this is a great example, let's imagine you're on a lake, you're fishing in your little rowboat, and it's a very, very windy day. If you look at the reflection in the water, you don't see a reflection. You don't see the birds. You don't see the trees. You can't see anything because there's waves. It's really, really rough. Imagine that lake that you're sitting on as a piece of rough stone. That's what you're dealing with, a piece of rough stone. If you were to put it under a scanning electron microscope, it would look like that. It would look very bumpy with holes and craters, look like the surface of the moon. Now, imagine that same boat on that same lake, but the wind is calm. Now you have call like glass. In other words, it's nice and flat. What happens to the reflection? The reflection now is very smooth. You can look into the water. You can see the birds. You can see the trees. You can, in some cases you can even see your eyes if you look down into the water. This is what we're doing when we're polishing stone. All we're simply doing is taking that very, very rough surface and we're making it extremely smooth. Now, that's a simple explanation. How do we achieve that? There's basically three ways to achieve that. The first being, we can mechanically polish it. In other words, we can take our diamonds, we can take our polishing powders, which are nothing more than abrasives, and I'll get to that in a little bit more detail in a second, and we smooth it out until we get that nice, smooth surface. Now, most of you know that not all stone Uh, We'll polish that way, or I I shouldn't say that. I should say it's very difficult to polish it that way with a lot of different types of stone unless you go all the way up to a very, very high abrasive. Work it for a very long period of time, and uh, you will eventually get that what I call 10-foot shine on the stone. So that's the first way. You can do it mechanically. The second way and the easiest way and a way that I don't like or I don't endorse is by using a coating, a wax. Uh, If you will, Um, this is what the grocery stores use. You know, I call them a grocery store wax. And what that basically does is it fills in the low areas, brings it up to the high areas. In other words, it fills in those waves, and you end up with a shiny surface. Although the shiny surface does look what I call wavy, and I don't mean wavy like the lake was a second ago, but it looks plastic, it doesn't have the clarity that it would if you were to polish it with either straight abrasives. And then the third way is to use a chemical process, or I should say a combination of abrasiveness and chemical processes. Now, I devoted an entire show to the crystallization, recrystallization, vitrification uh, topic, and I'm not going to repeat it here because it will take me too long. We don't have that much time, but go back into the archives and look at that, uh, listen to that show, and uh, you'll know. But anyway, briefly what happens with the... Crystallization process is it's a chemical process that actually changes the layer on the surface of the stone chemically to make it smooth. Uh, it uses waxes, it uses um, you know abrasives, steel wool, etc. Go back and listen to that show and you'll know what I'm talking about. What I want to concentrate a little bit more on today is our polishing powders, and this is important because there are different types of abrasives that we find in our polishing powders, not many, but some—but different. And being able to distinguish these particular powders, well, first let me, before we get into the actual powders, let me explain how the powders work. They work differently for marble or calcium-based stones than they do for say granite or quartz. And so let's take each one individually. Let's look at a calcium-based stone. These are your marbles and your limestones. They contain calcium. Your polishing powders, for the most part, for those particular types of stones, contain an abrasive, and that abrasive can be aluminum oxide. It can be tin oxide. And they also contain oxalic acid. So what happens when you sprinkle that powder on the floor or the countertop or or wherever you're using it, and you're, you're actually using the abrasives, but the acid, the oxalic acid is attacking the calcium in the stone and helping move it. And that's what we call, I, I call anyway, uh, constructive destruction. Uh, it's controlled, uh, it destroys the calcium a little bit. If you wanna think of it as melting, that's, that's primarily what it does. And I'll get into the scientific aspect of that here in a second. And it smooths out the surface. You rinse it, you back it up, the oxalic acid is gone, and now you have a polished surface. When you're talking granite, it's strictly abrasive. Uh, generally, the abrasive used in granite polishing powders are tin oxide, as opposed to aluminum oxide, although some contain aluminum oxide. Now there's a lot of accessory minerals that occur in some of these powders. Some contain sulfur, uh, some contain diamond dust, it just depends on the powders, but primarily you're dealing with an abrasive and a chemical for calcium-based stones. And we're dealing with granite or non-calcium-based materials. You're dealing purely with an abrasive powder. Okay, I'm gonna jump around a little bit. So let's go back to calcium-based stones. These are your marbles and your limestones and your onyx. Those are all calcium-based materials. The more oxalic acid you have in a powder, the hotter the powder is, as we call a hot powder. As a matter of fact, I know some powders that are 99.99% oxalic acid and very little abrasive. Uh, A lot of the Italians in the old days used to use pure oxalic acid to polish calcium-based stones, and their abrasive was actually their pad whether it be burlap, whether it be a hemp pad, uh, or some type of a pad that was abrasive, that added the abrasiveness, and they just used exolic acid to to speed it along. Today, we have 5X powders, uh, and a bunch of other different types of powders that have the abrasive, as well as the exolic acid in, in them as well. So, if you're having difficulty polishing certain stones, take a look at your powder. You may want to try a less hot powder or a hotter powder. I used to carry oxalic acid on my truck and you, I would actually make my powders hotter if I needed to be. So. You know, by going out to all these various distributors and buying powders, you need to find out how hot they really are. Now, they're probably not going to tell you. You're going to have to rely on you know, people who have used them, uh, people like myself that can tell you, well, you know, this powder is, is a medium powder. This is a hot powder. This is a cold powder, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and experiment with them a little bit. Now, there's some technique issues that will get into in a, in a little bit. Now, polishing granite, uh, again, it's very much – abrasive only and not chemical. However, with that said, there is a technique to speed up the process. And this is going to be a little confusing for you guys out there. So uh, I'll try to explain this as you can use the crystallization process or the crystallization fluid. And I'll tell you how in a second to polish granite, but you're not crystallizing. If you go back to the crystallization show and you listen to how crystallization works, it it attacks the calcium. Well, you have no calcium in granite, so how does it work? Well, a lot of the crystallization fluids contain microcrystalline waxes. They serve as a lubricant, a better lubricant than water would be, uh, for example. And I remember one of my seminars, we ended up having a very big discussion on can you make water wetter? And I won't get into that, but uh, uh, Google it. It's kind of of interesting. And the, the basic answer is yes, you can. So instead of using water when you're polishing granite, you're going to use your granite polishes, and then you're going to use the crystallization process, or the crystallization fluid, I should say, instead of water. You would generally polish from wet a little bit of crystallization fluid with your little bit of powder and go completely dry, and this works really, really well on black absolutes. You can use steel wool uh, with... really well. So that's basically how your powders work. So let's get a little bit more scientific. If you want to look this word up, because I'm not going to get into it, I'll explain it very basically. But if you want a little bit more information, write this down. It is the bilby layer, B-E-I-B, bilby, B-E-I-B-L-Y, bilby layer. Um, The scientists back around, I think it was around the 1930s, Actually, studied polishing of metals and non-metal surfaces, and basically, what he said happens, and it's a little bit more technical than this. But from you know understanding uh, standpoint, uh, it basically melts. In other words, you don't change the crystal. You, you you don't recrystallize. And and when I mean recrystallize, I mean recrystallize the minerals. Not I'm not talking about the crystallization process. So what happens is you generate heat. And during that instantaneous heat that's generated with the abrasives and the oxalic acid or whatever, and with and, and granite, it obviously is just the abrasives, you're generating um, a, an instantaneous heat that actually flows the surface of the stone and you end up with what is called an amorphous layer rather than a crystalline layer. So if you were to look at a polished piece of stone under a microscope, you would see all the crystals and everything until you got to the very, very layer and you would see a very smooth, Amorphous surface. In other words, it flows, uh, it's all all melted if, if you if you, it's not really what happens, but if you want to imagine it that way, uh, that's what we're talking about. All right, if you want to call in with a question before I get into some of these techniques,, uh, the number is three, two, three. Eight seven 3968. I'd be happy to take your call at any time. That is 323 870 3968. You can also send me an email. I have my email open, which is fhuston, F H U E S T O N, at gmail.com. You can send me an instant message through Facebook. Uh, if you don't know my Facebook page, just simply type in Stone Forensics and you can just send me a message. Um, I have my cell phone sitting here with my Facebook on it so I can answer your questions that way if you're a little bit shy uh, to come on to the radio. Okay, so let's let's take a look at uh, some difficult materials uh, to polish. Uh, one call I get all the time is Thassos White. Those of you familiar uh, with Thassos White, it's, it's a white marble from the Thassos Island in Greece, and it It's not that you guys have trouble polishing. You have trouble matching the factory finish. And one thing I would urge any of you guys to do, depending on where you are, if you've never been to a factory where they polish materials, it's worth it. Uh, I've been to to many factories, and I've actually, you know, looked at how they do it. And you can pick up some really, really good tips, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, But how do we polish Thassos? Well, the first trick that I found with Thassos materials is you can't use a cheap diamond. You have to use a good quality diamond. So whether you're dealing with the alpha pads or or something that's very high end, that's what I would recommend. Generally, you can get a polish on Thassos without polishing powders if you use a good diamond and go all the way to the end, you know, depending on what system, it could be 8500, uh, it could be 3500. Um, it, it You know, depending on what system you're using, uh, I've had very good luck that way. If you do use polishing powders, which you can, try a granite powder. Uh, and this is also a great tip for some of the serpentine's, the green materials out there. Don't use a marble powder; actually, use a granite powder. Now, those of you that polish granite know that granite comes in two particular Colors, if you will, it comes in a white and it comes in a dark. Obviously, you wouldn't want to use the dark on Thassos on white. Uh, you would want to use the light. Now, I just have a, a, a question come in here, so I'll stop a minute and see what this question is. Uh, is it true that we use impregnated diamond polisher stone that the high gloss shine won't last as much as if we polish with 5X? That's actually a good question, and I get that question all the time, and that, that you can get that argument also uh, with does the crystallization process last as long or, or not as long as polish, but in this particular question, if you're polishing all the way up with diamond pads or versus the 5X, you really shouldn't see much of a difference in the, in the polish. I mean, what I mean by that as far as how long the polish lasts, it should be equal because you're, you're getting there at the same time. Now, with that said, there's a couple things that can go wrong and can appear to give you uh, less life of that polish, and that is if you orange peel uh, the surface using, using your polishing powders. And uh, You can orange peel it slightly to where it's hardly visible, and it really takes a trained eye to look at that. The shine might not last as long, but, but think about that. If, once you've achieved that polish, the surface is polished. The only thing that's going to wear that surface is abrasives, is wear. So people walking across it. So that's where maintenance comes into a lot, of, a lot of play. So uh, David sent that question in, and thank you for that question, David. That's a that's a that's a great question. All right. So back to some of the the tricks that I've I've learned over the years uh, for polishing both calcium and granite. As I had mentioned, uh, you can use the recrystallization process with granite and also with the green materials. Uh, again, using no water, just using the crystallization fluid. You're not really crystallizing at that point. And again, go back and listen to uh, that particular uh, lecture that I gave on one of the previous shows. It's in there in the the archives. Another trick that works real well with Thassos and with greens, uh, and this also applies to uh, granite as well, is polishing from wet too dry. Let's say you're using a polishing powder. Uh, you're polishing a marble or a granite, for that matter, and you're just not getting that pop. You're just not getting that 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 what I call that 10 foot shine. You want to experiment with the quantity of powder, with the quantity of your water you're using, and what works in a lot of cases is starting out wet, like you normally would, and then go entirely dry, and then continuing to go dry. In other words, work that powder in dry. It doesn't always work on a lot of stones, but on some difficult materials, it'll work really, really well. Now, with that said, let's look at the type of pad you're using. Uh, A white pad for the most part is too soft to polish most stone with. I prefer using what they call a hogs hair pad. They go by names of Gorilla, Jackaroo. Uh, They're basically an an abrasive pad used for high speed polishing or high speed burnishing, I should say. And uh, they work really, really well with your 5X powders as well as your uh, uh, granite powders at all. Now, in the old days to polish granite, we used to use lead and felt wheels. And for those of you newcomers that don't know what that is, the lead and felt wheel is basically a a wheel that has a wrap of lead, a wrap of felt, and it continues to go lead felt lead felt lead felt lead felt. It looks like little circles on the bottom of your pad. Well, you can't get those anymore. Uh, lead is a no no when it comes to the environment, so you don't really uh, see those anymore. Uh, I have had success uh, with steel wool though, uh, substituting steel wool uh, for Uh, the lead pad on granite, with your granite polishing powders uh, using water, but then you have to throw that pad away because you're using steel wool, it's gonna rust. So it's basically a one-time use. Now, another difficult material to polish, and I shouldn't say difficult, but the results you get is the Botticino material. Now, those of you not familiar with Botticino, go to Google, go to images, type in Botticino Classico, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The problem with Botticino is it has soft spots in it. So if you go ahead and you know generally use your your typical polishing processes on there, you get a, a a dull area and a light area. So you get this really really spotty area. The best way to do that is to use a hard abrasives and there's a there's an actual pad that I, I I've made that works really really well. And I'm going to tell you how to make it, and this works really, really well on Bottice. it also works really well as a maintenance pad and for other stones as well. And the way we came up with this pad is back in the old days when I first started polishing marble, I won't age myself, many, many years ago, before we even had diamonds, we used to use what are known as 5X bricks. And it was a 5X brick, which was basically a, a brick that had oxalic acid, aluminum oxide, and it was held together with shellac. So this is how you make a pad that will polish Botticino and a lot of stones. Is take a pad, uh, preferably a hogs hair pad, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. Take a container, like a one-gallon paint pail, and go into Home Depot, Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or whatever, and buy what is known as three-pound shellac. It's usually called three-pound white shellac. Color doesn't matter. Just get some shellac. Make sure it's real shellac, not a varnish. You want shellac. And then get some 5X powder. Take the 5X powder, pour it into that gallon container, and mix it with the shellac until you get a consistency similar to a real thick peanut butter. And then take a paintbrush and paint an X on your five on your pad on your hog's hair pad and let that dry it may take a couple days to dry uh, if you have an oven that's great and you know i'm sure you guys out there as uh, wives won't be very happy if you stick that in the oven because it will smell but if you happen to have an old oven you can bake it but you don't have to you can let it sit in the sun you can let it sit a couple days and what that basically does is it makes a very very hard thin layer similar to a 5x brick And what we've discovered with Botticino stone is that because those areas are soft, if you use a powder in there, the powder kind of digs out that soft spot. So it gives you that that spotty look where you have a high polish and a dull area. When you're using a flat pad on there, this hard 5X pad, it kind of skims across there and gives you a nice even shine. And it also works really well on travertines, although it won't polish cement filled. Uh, travertine but it works really really well so uh, I won't charge extra for that that little trick but it works uh, works really really well again let me remind you of the phone numbers 323 870 3968 that's 323 870 Three nine six eight, Or send me an instant message on my Facebook page and messenger there at Stone Forensics or uh, an email at f- Houston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. If you're listening to this in the archive, in other words, you're not listening now live, uh, go ahead and send me a question anyway. We'll bring it up at, at, at another at another show since we'll hopefully be doing these shows almost every single week from uh, from now on, except for maybe if I decide to take a vacation. Aha. Uh, All right, let's talk about some other issues when it comes to uh, uh, polishing. Uh, Let's switch to uh, edge polishing for you fabricators out there. And this is, I see all the time, and I actually got a call last week from a fabricator that was having a heck of a time putting a polish on a black absolute countertop. Uh, He was using really good diamonds, bringing it all the way up. He said he was getting a good polish, but he wasn't getting the color back. So I asked him what he was using. He happened to be using uh, the Alpha EX diamonds, which are a good diamond, ones that I like. And uh, he was using the polishing pad, the, the, the actual polishing, black polishing pad. And well, that's a proper way to edge polish. And then I asked him, you know, be specific. I wanna know exactly what you do. Well, what I found out is he was using the polishing pad wrong. Uh, that polishing pad is designed to start out with a little bit of water. And basically what I'll do is I'll take my hand machine, I'll wet the edge, and I'll turn the water off, and I'll take my pad and I'll just buff that edge until it really, really heats up. You're going to have to hold on to that machine, and you will pop a polish. Uh, As a matter of fact, you will pop a polish sometimes so much better than the surface, which I guess is okay because you're looking at it from, from a different angle. But that's how you end up polishing Uh, especially the black, darker colored stones, you have to take that polishing pad and use it wet to dry, not totally wet. And in most cases you won't get. Another issue I've run into and I've, I've had calls on is when you guys are polishing marble floors that have different colored, well, I shouldn't say different colored, but bright colored grouts, for example, uh, I remember getting uh, a job one time years ago that had Trani Farito, which was a pinkish colored uh, marble, and it had bright pink grout in there. And, of course, my powder was getting into the, the recessed grout lines. I was using a white powder. And it was turning it white. And any of you that tried to clean up grout out of, out of uh, powder out of grout lines you know how difficult that would be. Uh, what I ended up doing is actually dyeing the powder. Uh, you can get dyes that actually work. Uh, and it dyes, You, know, you match the color obviously to the grout, and you can actually not only dye your powders, but actually dye the grout as well, making it all consistent and even. But I'll warn you, that's very tricky to do, uh, but it but it does it does work. All right, another trick I have, and I'm going to be wrapping things up here in a minute. So if you're going to call in, I would suggest you call in or send me an email now before we uh, wrap things up with the show. Is that And the diamond people are probably not going to like what I'm about to say. But in most cases, most cases with especially marble and calcium-based materials, you don't need eight or nine or 10 or 12 steps. You can get by with three steps. If you're using the traditional methods, um, if you have to remove lipids, you usually start with a 60. But in most cases, you can go 120, 400, and polish. Now, Some of you guys are saying, oh, my God, Fred, you skipped the 220. You can't skip grits. Well, yes, you can skip grits. Um, If you take a 120 and a 220, they are so close in abrasiveness that it makes no difference. So if you've got a bunch of 220s, just use that in place of the 120 or vice versa. So you can go right from the 120 to the 400 right to your polish to polish it. Now of course uh there are other systems out there you know you have the cheetah pad system and the monkey pad system which we we did two shows on so I'd recommend you go back and take a look at uh listen to those shows as well uh again they're in the archives here on blog talk radio and uh, some some really good but that that's another way which definitely uses an abrasive means and what's happening in the industry everything's becoming greener especially for you guys out there in California and, uh, you know, they're kind of poo-pooing the idea of using chemicals like oxalic acid, etc. So systems like the cheetah systems, the monkey pad systems, uh, or purely going to, to an abrasive are definitely going to be the wave of the future. So if you're, you're not using those, you should definitely have it in your arsenal, in your, in your, in your bag of uh, uh, tools as well. Now, one thing I didn't talk about, and that is quartz materials, or or what we call quartz surfaces. In other words, not quartzite, but the engineered stone surfaces. And these require, first of all, a specific set of diamonds. You want to make sure that you buy diamonds that are designed for these quartz materials, because if you don't, what can happen is you can actually burn the surface. Because remember, what quartz is, it's it's quartz, the mineral quartz, as well as a polymer in there. It's a polyester polymer in there, and you can actually melt that. So the technique is simple. Uh, you want to use slower RPMs. You don't want to use high RPM. You want to use plenty of water. Now, when it comes to polishing, the danger you run into with polishing quartz materials, whether it's, you know, in th- most cases it's going to be a countertop, uh, although we are starting to see quartz surfaces being used on floors, the majority of the quartz surfaces out there are now uh, countertops, is you will get a shine that's higher than the actual factory finish. And I'm going to tell you how to put the factory finish on, or at least my method for putting the factory finish back on. Uh, but that's the danger you run into. So that makes spot repair very difficult. So let's say you get a customer that has a scratch and their quartz countertop and you go out there and you want to repair it you can remove the scratch and you polish it now you have a shiny spot and you haven't matched the surrounding surface well i'm going to tell you how i match the surrounding surface and it's rather rather simple Uh, but you also want to be careful because if you look at the warranty on most of the quartz surfaces you void the warranty unless you have prior approval by the manufacturer so, you know, Caesarstone, Silestone, you know, Zodiac, all those will void the warranty if you go in there and try to make any kind of surface repair on there. So, you want to be careful and make sure you get prior approval or the customer knows that uh, it will void the void the warranty. Okay, so let's say you go in and you're, you're polishing a quartz material. How do you get that factory finish back again? What I do is take some white tin oxide, which is basically your granite powder. You sprinkle it on the surface that you're polishing or the spot that you're polishing. You take a hog's hair pad and you wet it. And without using a machine by hand, you rub that surface with the tin oxide and the water. And what that does is it gives you that, 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 that alligator appearance that a lot of these uh, quartz materials have. In other words, if you, you look at that surface, it doesn't have a shine completely across there. It looks like an alligator, like a back of an alligator, and you could tell I'm a Florida boy. Uh, I'm trying to think what else it could I could compare it to, but it has that stippled, uh, not you know, even type appearance to it. And what that does is it, it actually removes the light coating of polyester that you've smeared across the surface, which makes it really super, super shiny. So very important. Uh, you try that. Now, Alpha does have a pad out for that. Uh, I know Steve's polishing system has, has a, a polishing system for that as well. So you may want to look into uh, all those polishing uh, systems as well. All right, your last chance to call in with your questions, 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. You can send me an email at f h u e s ton at gmail.com or go ahead and instant message me on messenger on my facebook page which is stone forensics and even after the show is over if you have a question i'll be more than happy to answer that so let me look down my list here all right we talked about Uh, the types of abrasives that are out there. Uh, I did kind of mention a little bit that I I used to use what we call 5X bricks on the bottom of a machine, and a few people are using them now, although I know a couple of old guys that are still using them uh, with quite success. I wouldn't recommend that for beginners especially because your bricks, your screens, your sandpapers, uh, all those are what we call loose abrasives. In other words, as you work the abrasive, the abrasive sloughs off onto the floor. And it can be a nightmare to try to clean up between uh, each grit. Uh, As a matter of fact, back in the old days when we used to use bricks, we almost had to have operating room clean procedures because any little grit that would occur on the floor, let's say you started with a 60 brick, And, you know, now you're up to 120, now you're up to 400. If a 60 grit got stuck up on your machine and all of a sudden decided to fall down on the floor, you'd now have 60 scratches again. So between each grit, we had to take it outside, rinse the machine off really well, rinse our braces off really well, make sure we didn't step in it, rinse our feet off. I mean, it was literally almost like operating room procedures, how to block the doorway so you didn't get wind under there. Today's diamonds are what we call a fixed diamond. Uh, they shouldn't fall apart. <laughs> you can get some scratches, but for the most part, they're a fixed diamond. In other words, the diamond wears, and it doesn't sloth off. So e- even though cleanup is important between uh, uh, between grits, it's not as important as it used to be. So uh, keep that in mind. And uh, right now, pretty much everybody is using diamond abrasives. I remember when I first started out. Uh, diamond abrasives were just, first of all, they 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 weren't very available. They were just starting, um, and then the only company making them at that time, I believe, was 3M. They had those little tiny two-inch squares. And by the way, just as a, a piece of trivia, you know, diamonds were first, those diamond abrasives were first used for glass, for polishing glass. So if you guys ever have the opportunity to polish glass, yes, you can polish glass. Remember, glass is quartz, and it will polish. Although I wouldn't recommend repairing your windshield on your car with diamond abrasives because it's a different type of glass and you'll you'll cause it to be wavy. So don't try that. And I say that kiddingly because I had a student one time try that and he called me up and said, Fred, I thought you said these abrasives will polish glass. And I said, yeah, they will but not that type type of glass. So uh, be really, really uh, careful when it, com- when it comes to that. Okay, that's about all I have for tips and tricks for right now. Of course, I'm sure I have a, a lot of others, but that's all I have for this particular show. Uh, again, I want to mention that uh, my seminar is now full. My troubleshooting um, and inspection seminar in Las Vegas coming up is now full. Uh, I will be walking a show out there one day. I'm not sure what day, probably Wednesday, Uh, that Wednesday, which I believe is the 23rd, uh, we finish up early on that day in class and we'll go ahead and uh, walk the show. So if anybody wants to, uh, say hi, I'll, I'll be walking around with my wife there. So, uh, you know, feel free to uh, stop me and say hi. In the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a line. My email, again, is fhouston at gmail.com. Make a comment on my Facebook page, Stone Forensics. Uh, actually, we have every Friday. I'll be posting it again. I missed a couple of Fridays over the holidays here. What we call Failure Friday, which every Friday I have a little area in Facebook, which is called the Stone Forensic area, where we list a failure. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Everybody's invited. You don't have to be a past student to do that. So uh, feel free to send me uh, a message on that. And uh, I think there's a way you you actually at request to be invited or, or something. Um Okay, that's it for this show. We will see everybody next Wednesday at the same time. And everybody, I wish you all a very happy new year. This is Fred Houston, and everybody have a great rest of the week.